Welcome to Jeff Pasito Reads. I'm Jeff Pasito, and this is today's story. Living in the Shadow, Chapter 2, Hearth. The smooth, mottled, yellow-gray stone wall ran close to Angelo's back, each block lifted into place generations ago by hands worn worse than his father's farm-cracked, calloused palms. He always thought of those hands like the bark of the chestnut trees that grew along the edge of the dirt roadway that led to his school. Mother, why did they build the monastery on top of the mountain? Angelo had his arm stretched over the long dining table at the home's common room, absentmindedly drilling the index finger of his right hand into a small, smooth knot in the wood. His frame was dwarfed by the giant seat his father had built, his shoulders cresting just over halfway up the gently curved back of the chair. His right arm had to arch in a curve to reach the tabletop, while his left remained draped lifeless by his side, resting palm up on the hard, flat seat of the chair. Alessandra stood hunched over at the counter, her shoulders rolling forward and back as her hands worked. She wore a flower-print smock, one of three virtually identical wool outfits she owned, covered in the front by the ever-present plain white apron. She periodically wiped her hands on the rough fabric as she kneaded dough against the polished concrete counter. I've told you before, Angelo, she began as her hands reached for her apron once more, fingers spread wide, wiping them in long, controlled strokes against the thin cotton, both palms and backs, so that they could be closer to God. Angelo demurred, continuing to admire the futility of his tiny finger drilling incessantly against the reddish-black-brown wood, his eyes unfocused, staring beyond his fidgeting finger as his mother's hands returned to the powdered dough, her knuckles pressing it into submission, her fingers disappearing into its bulbous mass. "'I know,' he said absentmindedly. "'I just wanted to make sure.' He paused for a moment, unintentionally. His fingers stopped drilling, his body frozen, as if the churning of his thoughts could expend no energy to fire commands to the rest of his body while it worked. His words began slow, coming in languid chops. Vincenzo says that they had to build it there so they could stop running from people. He paused. And keep an eye on them. His eyes flashed to his mum, staring intently at the twisted brown hair knotted in a bun at the back of her bobbing head. To fight them if they had to, he finished. His body remained petrified, staring at his mother, a stillness unexpected in the energized body of youth. His mother's hands had stopped their mechanical grind. Her shoulders followed suit, ceasing to roll moments later, and her head gave one final bob. Her body reacted from the furthest tips of her extremities to her core. Her hands didn't move to her apron, but instead sat on the counter. Her head dropped slightly, her strong shoulders losing their tension and slacking weakly as a silent breath exhaled long from her concave chest. Sometimes, his mother began, her eyes closed, head cocking slightly side to side. She paused with intention, thinking of how best to answer her eight-year-old's question, as deeply probing as it was, without his realization. Yes, her head slowly nodded as she continued. Yes, they have to watch people, sometimes, and make sure they're all doing God's work. She cracked a half-smile to herself, creasing new age into the hard, smooth, chiseled stone of her face. Doing God's work well. Her hands began their work again, fingers more gingerly massaging into the dough as her shoulders began to roll again and her back straightened, a newly found joviality to her task. 
because Vincenzo says that people can't speak to God, so no one knows if they're doing God's work or not. Angelo blurted after a brief pause. His finger was about to begin its twisting pilgrimage into the knot of wood again, but after a side-glanced moment of contemplation, he moved his hand down to his side with a slight shrug and gripped the edges of his seat. He began swinging his earth-stained bare feet out of time with each other, then the right leg catching up in time with the left, only to fall out of time once more when the right leg continued its quicker pace. Alessandra paused again, her body freezing instantaneously this time, hands splayed on the counter, palms down like before. Suddenly jerking back into motion, her hands slipped down to the front of her apron, wiping them in quick, short bursts against the weak, coarse fabric. This is Vincenzo, Gina's boy, she asked, a little more ire in her voice than she intended. Her head inclined ever so slightly upwards and to the right, eyes stretching backwards in Angelo's direction. Yes, Angelo answered briskly, almost eagerly. His body straightened slightly in the chair, eyebrows darting upward. His legs slowed their swinging momentum and then resumed their pace when his mother didn't respond. The bread began to take shape once again in the womb of her hands as her shoulders rolled once more, thumbs caressing the pale flesh of the dough as she cupped it gently, coaxing it to form, all the while her mind cycling through the last dozen Sunday masses and recent confessions and encounters with the church, contemplating how Father de Blasi would respond to such an innocent transgression. His mother prays, she began in slow, measured tones, every Sunday at church for her husband. The canter of her voice increased as she found the right words, as if spoken through her, not by her. And she says God sends her messages that he's okay. Pleased with herself, she continued with even more confidence in her voice, channeling Father de Blasi and the candor of the passionate sermons he brought to his flock. People don't talk to God like I'm talking to you now, Angelo. She raised a doed hand and gestured it back and forth between her and the stone wall in front of her, her fingers flapping like the tail of a lethargic fish. They talk in feelings. Her hand hovered in the air, touching her breastbone, tapping her heart. Her head, cocked at an angle that let Angelo see just the corner of her right eye, flicked almost imperceptibly, enforcing the validity of her claims while simultaneously encouraging his agreement. Her eyes slid back to the dough before her as her emoting hand ramped back up into motion, plunging her calloused, thin, knobby red fingers back into the sticky, powdered lumps of dough. No, that's not what Vincenzo means, Angelo continued after a time, his legs swinging fervently, his right arm beginning to snake a secretive path back to the top of the table, one finger outstretched to prod at the smooth, dark knot there again. He means that people can't talk to God because God doesn't exist. Angelo's finger had found purchase, but just as it had, his mother span around, twisted awkwardly, painfully even, at the hips, so her entire upper body faced Angelo. Her lower limbs caught up to her sudden snap turn as her eyes whitened, soft hazel pupils dilating to a violent green. Her eyebrows arched like devil sticks across her brow, and the scent of sulfur was nearly palpable as her tongue flamed out of her thin, pale, parting lips. The sludgy slurry of off-white plaster on her hands flew off in tiny dollops as her accusing finger pointed and shook at Angelo's direction, her gaze oscillating between his head and his heart, lost for what part of him upon which to lay blame. Out! Now! Her voice stabbed at him, sharp and forceful. Angelo's eyes pleaded, blinking frantically, each strike of his shut lids bouncing back with wider openings. His lithe form slid slowly from the seat, his chest collapsed inward, broken, and he slinked towards the opening in the wall to his left, leading into the adjacent room. Halfway to the yawning arch between this sudden hell and the expected reprieve that awaited on the other side, his mother continued, And you had better ask God to forgive you for what you said. She had a way of sounding forceful but not angry, and loud without yelling. As he crossed the threshold between these two suddenly very different rooms of the house, his mother's words chased after him. 
and pray for Vincenzo and his mother and father, that God may forgive Vincenzo and keep them all safe in a well. The room fell silent around Alessandra, save for the ambient shrill of quiet that permeated the cool air filling the nothingness between the stone walls. She closed her eyes slowly, her short, dark lashes locking their lids shut. Her mind scanned the room, placing everything in perfect order as was expected, as was right. As she turned from the dark recesses of the opening between rooms, between worlds, to the firmament of the counter, covered in dark white flour and piles of semi-formed dough. Facing the counter, her hands tensed, inches above its worn surface. She opened her eyes, their soft brown refracting amber in the thin meniscus of corneal coating. Her lips parted ever so slightly, and she let out a sigh, releasing the tension that held her entire body in seizure. Her hands fell to the countertop, kicking up tiny plumes of dust like a soldier's footfalls on a sun-parched battlefield, and she huffed out a few loose strands of hair that had fallen across her face. Resting her weight and the weight of her family on her left hand, her right hand crossed her body, wrist limp, as she called out the Holy Trinity in her thoughts and asked for forgiveness. The stubborn strands of hair that had fallen from the long braid tightly wrapped about her head swayed before her eyes again, and with another huff at them, she leaned back into her work with much less enthusiasm, more mechanical necessity, as the wide sagging spheres of dough to her right fermented on the counter. You have been listening to Living in the Shadow, Chapter 2, Hearth. Please join us next week for Living in the Shadow, Chapter 3, Hands. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can reach me by email at jeff at That's J-E-F-F at P-A-C-I-T-T-O dot com. On Twitter at jpacitoreads or visit our website at pacito.com. See you soon.